0: This is the commercial property show, Australia. Show number 37.
1: There is absolutely a arbitrage in value consideration when you talk about A grade, premium grade, long whale, strong covenant assets, right? So everyone's happy to pay a premium for that, but the problem on the flip side, so the arbitrage between those assets and assets with long vacancy, C grade type of office or neighborhood centers that that haven't been upgraded for some time, there's a heavy discount on those assets because of the risk profile.
0: Hey commercial property community, how are you today? My name is Andrew Bean, thank you for joining me. Today's episode is a market review, a very, very hot market review and here it is. Oliver Titani joins me on this episode to talk about the Adelaide market, how hot it's got, the tightening of cap rates. He explains where the value is and how to make some money. Investing in commercial property is a lot like a team sport. You need a lot of good players around you to complete a property transaction. No one can do it alone. If you're like me and want to surround yourself with like-minded people who have similar property goals, people who motivate you and push you to achieve more, then come and join the commercial property community today. You can find our private group on Facebook by searching Commercial Property Show Community or you can click on the link in the show notes. Our expert guests are just waiting to answer your questions in the forum and together we can help each other reach the ultimate goal of financial freedom. Returning to the show is our boots on the ground expert in Adelaide, Oliver Tatani How are you, mate?
1: I'm very well, Andrew. How are you going? Great to be back.
0: I'm fantastic, buddy. Mate, so we had you back on episode 15, and for the listeners who missed that episode, can you just tell them a little bit about your property background?
1: Well, firstly, thanks for having me again. I'm not sure what number show you're up to now, but it's a pleasure to be back on, so thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm born and bred South Aussie, love my state, passionate about my state, studied evaluation, a Bachelor of Business Property Here at UniSA, in my younger years, since finishing that, got straight into commercial sales, and have been doing that for the last sort of ten or eleven years. And currently, I'm the head of investment sales for Knight Frank here in Adelaide.
0: Perfect, mate. Sounds like you've been a very busy man.
1: Certainly, Adelaide's come of age over the last twelve to eighteen months, which is really good. I mean, we've always probably banged on about it as being a great place to not just live, but to invest in. But I think for all the bad things that COVID-19 has brought, it's certainly worked well for South Australia and Adelaide more specifically.
0: Yeah, well, mate, the last time we actually spoke, you mentioned that investors were still being cautious in the Adelaide marketplace, but that doesn't seem to be the case anymore, is it?
1: I can't remember exactly what month we ran the show last time, but it might have been mid last year or late last year. Yeah,
0: about September last year.
1: September last year, exactly. Look, the dynamic has shifted. Obviously, Adelaide and South Australia performed extremely well from a health point of view, and that's just spurred on probably the need for investors to look at South Australia just because of that. But I think once they started looking at South Australia because of our health response, they were able to see the major investment considerations we've been banging on about for the last four or five years are now starting to bear fruit. So whether that's the Biomed precinct here in the LA CBD or the huge $90 billion worth of defence spend happening in our outer north, or just the fact that we're getting increasing house price growth. There is now a number of strings to our bow, and I think that's boding Adelaide really well.
0: Yeah, it's it's all cylinders firing, isn't it, mate? Have you ever seen a market quite like this?
1: Funny enough, I came into a market in September 2008, and for those that are, on, that are listening in, that was essentially the culmination of the GFC. My director at the time said, look, we'll be in this for 12 months, but then it should come good. That took about three or four years to recover from. And then we sort of had this growth phase post that two or three years. But I've never seen a growth phase such like we're experiencing now, and that's across the board. Obviously, there's some asset classes that are not performing as well as others, B and C grade office buildings in the city, versus we would see is the market darling now in industrial sector and logistics. But even sort of neighborhood retail, which was a bit on the nose pre-COVID, that's starting to perform really well now with the understanding that non-discretionary spend is one of those things that didn't really get affected when it came to COVID and lockdowns and shutdowns because people needed to eat. So retail's really working well. Industrial's up and about. Commercial office, yes, got its challenges, but there's opportunity in that space as well. So I've never seen a market like this and long may continue.
0: Yeah, well, the neighbourhood shopping centres seem to be doing quite well you know, across Australia just because people don't want to go to that big congested Westfields.
1: Look, and I think the reality is it's forced us to look at our communities more closely. And the reality is, given probably the fear. I mean, I'm not a COVID sceptic, but I certainly think the government are certainly overreaching and there's a lot of fear in the market from a health perspective. But you're right. People just don't want to go to the big shopping centres anymore and are happy to shop local, shop in their boutique shopping centres and what we know as a neighbourhood centre. And let me tell you, there's many an investor across the country that would love to snap up those centres.
0: Yeah, that's right, man. Is suburban office a thing in Adelaide?
1: Not as the Eastern Sea would understand it. Our core office market is obviously the Adelaide CBD. Then we have what we call the Fringe, which is made up of Green Hill Road and Fullerton Road. And then we would have scattered office buildings throughout Metro Adelaide. But we certainly don't have a metropolitan office market per se, like you would have in Victoria or Melbourne or Sydney with the likes of Parramatta per se. That's probably a great example that's now its own little city, but that was yeah. a metropolitan office market for the last 10 or 15 years. We certainly don't have the population to allow for a, a, a suburban office market, but we certainly have the LACBD as a core, the fringe office markets, which are Greenhill Road and Fullerton Roads, they're gonna scattering throughout metropolitan Adelaide.
0: I kind of thought that, yeah. So mate, the low stock on hand seems to be an issue. Is it noticeably less stock or is this just more demand right now?
1: I think it's a bit of both. With regards to supply, There's a couple of situations. You've got owners of good quality property and good quality assets that have no real reason to sell, bar maybe a a realisation of value or developing something new. So its highest value is now once it's constructed and leased out and they're trying to get out of development stock like that. But the reality is those long-term holders, especially in South Australia, where a lot of the property is held by generational type families... There is no real reason to sell, given the lack of opportunity to put it in alternative asset classes. In saying that, on the flip side, on the demand side, you have this huge weight of capital that needs to be placed. So as that capital continues not to find a home, the capital is forced to be more aggressive with regards to their acquisition and their buying opportunity. So if you're looking to buy quality investment stock, I think that's probably the case across Australia at the moment.
0: Yeah, mate, I've really noticed in South Australia, the properties that I've been inquiring on, the quoted cap rate is really sharp compared to 12 months ago. What kind of cap rates are you quoting now per sector? It obviously depends. We'll go for A-grade stock.
1: I often get asked that question. I think we can probably generally talk about cap rates or yields, whichever way we want to describe it, like this. Adelaide has certainly, over the last 12 months, prior to COVID, let me take a step back, was probably seen as a value proposition when compared to the eastern seaboard. So we were always 150 to 200 basis points um, yield spread when compared to Sydney, Melbourne markets, New South Wales markets, even sometimes compared to Brisbane and Perth. But I think what we're finding now, that and that is playing a little bit of catch up. So because we perform so well from a health perspective, because we've got these industries that are firing, whether it be defence, mining, agriculture, the investment narrative is now coming to life. So I think people are going, well, does it really need to be 150, 200 basis points softer in Adelaide than Melbourne and Sydney? Potentially not. So we do have some catching up and some room that we need to fill. So I think that's the main reason why we've seen some contraction in the South Australian yield spread. But I still think there is probably a like for like when we're comparing Sydney, Melbourne assets versus Adelaide. There's still a hundred basis points that there's still value buying here in Adelaide, so I think that's likely to continue. But that's probably the main reason why we've seen yield compression is because we are playing a little bit of catch up.
0: When you say basis points, mate, can you just explain that a little further? I don't I totally
1: understand what you mean by that. If we're talking like for like assets, let's take a childcare, for example, with a fifteen-year covenant to one of the top-tier operators, that might sell in in Melbourne or Sydney, in Metro Melbourne or Sydney, for Say four and a half, five percent. In Adelaide, that might transact for five and a half, six percent. That hundred basis points or bips is what I'm talking about. It's, right. it's okay. essentially a financial term for that percentage differential.
0: So, mate, what would you be quoting now per sector?
1: It's a hard one. I think for the premium grade investments, whether that would be childcare, fast food, convenience, medical, I think tenure or whale of seven years plus we're now seeing low five, sub 5%, sort of four and three quarters to five and a quarter. And I think with anything sub seven years worth of whale and maybe not premium, but a solid investment grade option, we're probably five and a half to six. And then anything sort of sub five years, you're sort of in that low 6% range, depending on, of course, type of tenant, quality of the asset, et cetera, et cetera.
0: So those type of assets were kind of like single use kind of assets. What have we drilled it down to sector by sector, so industrial, office and retail?
1: I think it's hard to put a cap rate on a sector per se because I could have an industrial asset that's 15 years old and it's got five-year lease to a local covenant and that's probably transacting at 7% per se versus an industrial asset that's brand new, that's leased to an ASICs listed company for a renewed term of eight years, which we've got on the market with our friends from Burgess Rawson and that's likely to go for 5%, if not a little bit tighter.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I think we should just talk about the A-grade assets. And then obviously yeah. the listener, when they find an asset that they know is not an A-grade asset, because that is still kind of yeah, your yeah. own personal feeling about it, they can figure out whether it's B to them, C to them, or D to them. So if we talk about A-grade assets with good covenants and a, and a good tenant, then we can give okay. them a baseline of what of it, what, the, okay. so what the best would be.
1: If, if you're talking a premium-grade, A-grade industrial asset. I think on average, you're in the five and a quarter to 575 yep. on a capital point of view. And again, good tenure, good covenant, good building. So premium yep. grade type of offering. Similar on the retail side, I would have thought it's probably a little bit tighter. So it might even be four, seven fifty to five and a quarter. And that would include fast food, childcare, fuel and convenience, those type of single tenant assets. So that's the retail, If you look at neighborhood shopping centers, I think we're probably in that six to six and a half percent on the premium and A-grade type of offerings, given the fact that they're always a bit more larger in quantum of dollars. So that softens it a little bit. And then if you look at office, I think if if you're talking a a metropolitan office, multi-tenanted, whether it's multi-tenant or single-tenanted, you're probably in that five and a half to six percent range, again, depending on value.
0: Okay. So there's obviously room for the investor to find that B-grade asset get a better cap rate, and then bring it up to an A-grade asset. That was the value add last time that we identified in South
1: Australia. There is absolutely a arbitrage in value consideration when you talk about A-grade, premium grade, long whale, strong covenant assets, right? So everyone's happy to pay a premium for that, but the problem on the flip side, so the arbitrage between those assets and assets with, long vacancy, C-grade type of office or neighbourhood centres that that haven't been upgraded for some time, there's a heavy discount on those assets because of the risk profile. So everyone's having really tight yields for low-risk assets, but I think on the risk side, people are happy to still pay the market now and get out and let someone else roll the dice, not roll the dice, but add the value and then take the upside.
0: I hope you're enjoying the show. We will be back after this short break. At Developer Life, we get it. You own a commercial property and want to add value to it, but you're not sure how, or you just don't have time. Well, it has now never been easier for the novice investor to get professional results with our strategic value add strategy plan, We identify exactly how to add value to your property and deliver a step-by-step strategy plan to our clients. And if you're a passive investor looking for a total hands-off approach, we can even manage it for you with our project management service. So contact us today at www.developalife.com.au. To secure your free 30-minute consultation today, that's www.developalife.com.au. We want to help you maximize the value of your commercial property. So, mate, in property, we talk a lot about cycles. And usually, we use a property clock to depict that, especially in residential. But in yep. commercial, you need to drill down to, to sectors. So yep. if we're talking the sector clock, where would yep. you put each sector for the Adelaide market?
1: We're talking about the sectors per se, office, retail, industrial. Yep. If you're talking about the clock, we're talking about value and its value peaking. So yep. I would say that in the office market, that's probably where the the values are at their softest, yep. if I can use that word. So I would have thought that we're at somewhere between 8 and 9 o'clock, right? From an industrial point of view, I think we've seen massive growth in that space over the last 12 months, um, and that's probably ticking up towards your 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And I think retail, and there's probably there's different sectors in the retail space, but if I cut that in half and I talk about um, your single-tenanted fuel, childcare, premium investment stuff, uh, fast food, um, that's heading towards your 10.30, 11 o'clock. I think they're getting full. But I think on the neighbourhood centre, district centre, those larger assets, I think there's good buying opportunity. And we're probably only at sort of eight to nine o'clock there. So I think in the, in the office and the sub and the supermarket shopping centre space, I think there's some, there's some value to come. Um, but certainly from an industrial point of view, I think we're experiencing some rapid growth.
0: Yeah, that's great, mate. That's great. So has the inquiries per property increased tenfold?
1: From an Adelaide point of view, this is an easy one to answer. We haven't seen inquiry like this in probably the last 10 years or ever, to be completely honest. I think the idea that Adelaide now being Votus, I think the second best state in the world to live or the best city in the world to live, not that really means anything, but given what's happened over the last 12 months, we're certainly on the map and we're, we're, we're getting calls from regional Victoria, Wollongong in New South Wales, Perth, there's people wanting to invest in Adelaide from across the country. So I think we're in a pretty good spot.
0: I think Adelaide definitely is one of the top choices right now, if, if you're looking to park some money in a low risk environment.
1: All right, mate. So
0: how about retail? And I'm not talking like your A grade single use childcare kind of retail, I'm talking more of your average retail. Is there a lot of yeah. vacancy in that market right now? Like just your, your average shop
1: Good question. I think when we look at it from an Adelaide perspective, main road retail is made up of what we call high streets, the likes of the Parade Norwood, King William Road, Hyde Park, Glen Osmond Road, Glen Osmond, Unley Road, Unley. A lot of our strip retail is found on those main high streets. There was an article that came out only yesterday or the day before that talked about a real decrease in vacancy over the last six to nine months. So I think people are buoyed by the fact that a lot more people are likely to be staying local over the next two to three or four years, despite if travel opens up or not. So I think we've seen a a great increase in small business being created. And obviously when that happens, whether it's new retail or new coffee shops or new restaurants, people are having a crack. Certainly there is tangible evidence of vacancy coming down in that strip retail.
0: Yeah, I could imagine there would be. I mean, I, I actually, I track data, commercial property data from the property portals. And I've noticed in Adelaide, office seems to be the one that really stands out. And that's basically across Australia. Office is the one that has the most vacancy across Australia right now. Mate, are you seeing that on the ground now? I mean, you mentioned B and C grade assets. They're struggling a little bit now. Is that definitely something that's really prevalent on the ground?
1: I think there is a supply issue in the Adelaide office market in the not so distant future, sort of 2023, 2024. Um, as we've got a couple of premium grade buildings coming out of the ground, one being built by Charter Hall for about 30 odd thousand square metres, another one being built by CBUS for another, I think it's 28,000 square metres. Immediately, those buildings, a lot of it has been pre-committed. However, we will see some premium and A grade supply come online in 23, 24. So what we're anticipating, there will be a flight to quality. So a lot of those corporates that have been in solid B A grade buildings are going to look to shift to the higher grade buildings and that will, will just mean there will be a flight to quality even at the C and D grade level so i think moving forward if you're in the low B low B and down grades there's some pain to come unless you start to get proactive about repositioning your office building assets because there's there's a number of assets that have probably missed out on a bit of love over the last cycle and probably got away with it. I think they're going to be in trouble if they don't get their skates on from a repositioning yeah. point of view.
0: Yeah, I think so too. So when we last spoke, we were talking about the office market as well. And there was a bit in the up in the air about the how working from home is going to affect the office market. Is working from home a major thing in Adelaide? It is across New South Wales. That's where I am. Is it still a big part of Adelaide?
1: From being a big part in Adelaide, with Adelaide and going back to my point around our metropolitan or our suburban office markets, because a lot of our office is centralized into the CBD and we don't have those secondary markets, we haven't seen a huge occupancy issue. I think we're back up to about 75, 80, 85% of office users coming back to the CBD. The CBD is our heart and soul. So I think people enjoyed and embraced coming back to the office. Uh, especially in Adelaide. Well, I think the issue for Melbourne and and especially Sydney and New South Wales is that they have those satellite cities. So from what we've been told, a lot of the big corporates are now looking to take space that are closer to the user so that users are not on public transport for two or three hours a day. We just don't have those issues here in Adelaide. The longest route would probably be 45, 50 minutes in your car. So we don't have those same public transport issues and we just don't have satellite office markets. It all comes into the city and we like it that way.
0: So have a lot of the businesses, they've just come back to work, working as normal, maybe with a few more restrictions, but they're still not working from home if you want to one or two days a week?
1: I think there's more flexibility now. And I think the corporates have no choice, but, and are happy to encourage flexibility in the office space. But I think genuinely from an Adelaide point of view, we've been out of lockdown for now nearly 12 months. So for us going back to working from home seems foreign. And I think we see the benefits of collaboration and teamwork and all those sort of positive things that you just don't get from working from home. So look, I'm not a convert to this idea that majority of people are going to be working from home moving forward. And I think to those people that are pushing for that, that they need to remember, it's hard to get a promotion when you're not front of mind. And they need to be aware that the big corporates, if you're working from home and your job can be worked from home, there's no reason why they can't then transfer that job to jurisdictions that pay potentially a lot less in wages.
0: Yeah, man, I I definitely don't think working from homes for everyone, but I do think that it's here to stay in some place and form. So, mate, in a hot market where there are multiple offers, how does an investor get the attention of an agent without overpaying for the property? Like, what can we do to stand out?
1: I think be the squeaky wheel. If you're the squeaky wheel, don't just think that an agent's going to engage with you via email. I think the reality is, for every good asset, there's probably four to five buyers so if you want the position if you want to understand exactly where vendor expectations is jump on the phone request a meeting request a coffee catch up so that you can eyeball the agent and understand the process what it's going to take to get a deal done
0: so just keep bugging you
1: so yeah that's it so when you're presenting an offer
0: to a client is price usually the determining factor or is there sometimes more to it
1: it really depends on the asset class. If it's a development site, often buyer-friendly terms are negotiated. If it's a premium investment where the buyer's looking to get a return on his investment, he's looking to, for the shortest and sharpest settlement. I think in this market here, everyone's looking to take advantage of the heat. So pricing is, is always the number one factor. Okay. So, mate, in other
0: states like Queensland, vendor financing can sometimes come into play. It's a lot more commonplace. Is vendor yeah. financing, is it, do you ever come across that in South Australia?
1: Out of the 45 deals we did last financial year, we didn't do one vendor finance deal.
0: Okay. Have you ever seen a vendor finance deal in your career? Oh,
1: look, they're possible. They get done. I just don't understand why people would do a vendor finance deal with a likely interest rate of 7%, 8 9% when the bank's likely to do a deal for you in the 2 to 3% at worst.
0: Well, sometimes when the investor doesn't have the full amount of capital required, you yes. do a kind of partial fend or finance deal, and especially for big deals in the millions of dollars, sometimes it can actually make sense for the seller yeah, to do it as well. So, mate, buyers agents are always talking about off-market deals. In my opinion, an off-market deal is only really off-market if I'm speaking directly to the owner. Do off-market deals really get done in Adelaide like that, or is it just kind of like a bit of hogwash?
1: No, no, they're not happening off-market. I think That's probably a reason why people uh, are thinking that there's not a lot of supply. But there is a lot of transactions that are happening off market because at the end of the day, vendors aren't engaging fully, but are, are enticing agents to present offers. And once those offers are presented, it's only then when the owner goes, oh shit, we are in a bull market, will they engage? So no, there's plenty happening off market. Okay, fair enough. So mate,
0: in South Australia, there are three other locations with population of say like above 20000 and yep. they are Port Lincoln, Mount Gambier, and Wyella. What are your thoughts on those three locations investment-wise?
1: At a very high level, Port Lincoln, established coastal fishing town. A lot of high-net wealth that live and work and play there. So I like Port Lincoln as an investment destination. Very, very secure, established very low risk. Very similar with Mount Gambier. Mount Gambia is obviously the main centre for the southeast. So a lot of the, the rural towns within the southeast would see Mount Gambier as their capital city per se. So I like Mount Gambier also. A lot of old Adelaide money from Mount Gambier and a lot of old established agricultural businesses. So no issue with investing in Mount Gambier. Wyala is a little bit more industrial in its economic prosperity. So obviously you've got who runs the steel the steel industry there? It looks like he saved it. So Wayala, if that steel manufacturing plant closes down, then all of a sudden the half the town's population is likely to be affected economically. So that's probably a bit of a one horse town. So there's probably a little bit of a little bit of risk involved in in Wayala investing in Wayala.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like the main employer there is Mr yeah. Gupta, I believe. He's the he funds it. It's his company. Yeah. The finance that he had behind backing it. Pulled out for a while and as a bit up in the air, if you could get the hundreds of millions of dollars to refinance it. But I think yeah. he pulled it off, didn't he?
1: I think he did, yeah. I think he did. So, I mean, the way steel still the steel mill is profitable in its own right. So, if he doesn't, someone else will step in. It's a great business. All right, mate. So,
0: residential property in South Australia, how would you describe that market right now?
1: We're seeing in some house price growth in the double digits. We're seeing supply for rentals at all time low. I think vacancy is less than than 2% at the moment across metropolitan Adelaide. So rents are going through the roof. And again, a lot of that is, yes, a lot of expats coming home, but just the fact that there's not a lot of supply coming to market, but we've seen incredible growth in the resi space. And and that's probably a market when you're looking at it from a comparative point of view across the country, that's definitely paying catch up.
0: And so mate, just for, because you're a boots on the ground expert, what are a couple of hotspots, residential hotspots, in your opinion?
1: I would be looking at suburbs in, there's two, like in the inner east. So whether that's Kentown, Norwood, Malvern, Hyde Park, Dulwich, there's some boutique suburbs there, sort of three or four k's out of the city. Can't go wrong. But on the flip side, the western side, they probably always seem to lag, the eastern suburbs. But I think there's some good buying opportunities there, sort of in inside seven k's from the city. The beauty about that is your, your five k's from the beach. So the Western suburbs is probably my my tip for growth in the next five to seven years.
0: Oh, perfect, mate. All right. Well, true to form, you've been excellent again. Where can the listeners go to contact you?
1: They can shoot me an email on oliver.tatani, T-O-T-A-N-I at au.nightfrank.com. Always happy to help and, and chat to people that want to discuss property. We love it.
0: Perfect, mate. My guest today has been Oliver Tatani. Cheers, buddy.
1: Cheers, mate! All the best, Shane. Keep up the good work.
0: Data don't lie. That's right. In this segment, I'm going to share the property data that I collect each month. I'm going to choose one location good or bad, to give you guys a true reflection of what the numbers are saying about that location. So this week's location is Adelaide. We're gonna stick with Adelaide. We're gonna put some data behind it. So I've been tracking this market since March this year. So a good four months, uh, five months if you're including July. And we'll start with the retail sector. So there has been 38 properties transacted in the retail sector since March this year and 113 leases written. So it's pretty good performance um, in the last four months of data that I've got in front of me right now. Um, the vacancy is still pretty high at 22% um, for retail, but the stock on hand is extremely low at 3.3%. But right now there's over 700 properties for lease. So it's still quite a a market that you might want to just tread lightly in. All right, moving on to the office sector. Now, as Oliver said, there's quite a bit of vacancy in this market. There's over a thousand spaces for lease right now, but that number has actually been coming down. So in March, there was 1,222. In April, there was 1,187, and then in May, there was 1,100, but it just spiked up a touch in June. There was 1,117, so it is going the right direction, just slowly. And since I've been tracking that market, there's been 53 transactions in the office space. Moving on to industrial. Industrial is looking pretty good. The vacancy is pretty low, 10.8%. Stock on hand is quite low too at 3.2%. There has been 28 properties sold since March and also 94 leases ridden since March. So it's a really good result. Okay, moving on to employment opportunities. So Adelaide obviously is a capital city. The population is estimated to be over 1,300,000. So in January, when I started tracking this market for employment, there was 4,905 jobs listed for all of Adelaide. And in June, I recorded 8,343 jobs were listed. So that's a difference of 3,438 extra jobs and also in June, there was 2,039 jobs listed for jobs that have a salary of over 100000 Okay, that wraps up our location report for this week. If you like this segment, let me know. I'm interested to see how it's being received. So send me a text 0410-694-633. All right, that brings us to the end of another great show. And if you are enjoying this show, and I know lots of you are, show me some love. Give the podcast a five-star rating and write a review. It really helps me out, guys, and it shows me how much you are really enjoying this, and it will spur me on to keep creating this for you. So please, if you're enjoying the show, just write me a review. Give me a five-star rating. Thanks, guys. Thank you to my guest, Oliver tatani and Kevin McLeod for the music. And in the words of Grant Cardone, be obsessed or be average. I'm Andrew Bean, signing off. This has been a Developer Life production.